Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, another week for Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. We are here every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10, and we always appreciate you tuning in and listening to us every single week. This week, it is Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. We're working from home, working remotely. We are not in Syracuse because of the coronavirus pandemic that is really altering everyday life, not only the sports world, but everything in life right now. But we're still here trying to push out content both on radio and on our website, orangefizz.net. We hope that anything that we create can kind of preoccupy you in this time of really downtime, a lot of time to fill. And we are trying to turn out some great Syracuse athletics and specifically Syracuse basketball content on our website and on Orange Fizz Radio. You can listen every single week, but for this week, we have a couple different things to talk about. The transfer portal is full. A lot of guys going a lot of different ways, and we'll talk about who Syracuse should be targeting in that transfer portal to fill a couple gaps that they have. We'll also talk about Elijah Hughes. He has declared for the NBA draft. Let's talk about his draft eligibility and really where we think he's going to go. We'll round out the show, obviously, with Fizz feedback. But before that, we'll talk about what does the Syracuse basketball team really look like without, if they don't get any transfers, without their transfers, and also with losing a lot of people. But let's first start off with that transfer portal. A lot of guys moving a lot of different places. And when you look at Syracuse specifically, Matt, they lose their entire backcourt when you don't look at Joe Girard or Buddy Beheim, everyone else has left, gone to the transfer portal, and it's really left a big gap on this Syracuse roster. Yeah, you lose a lot of potential and, and a lot of young talent with guys like Jalen Carey and Bryson Gadine. With Gadine starting it, it was a big, it must have been a huge worry for all of Syracuse fans. Gadine's a guy that, you know, you saw out on the court and you said, all right, this kid's got some talent, he can be the next man up kind of thing. That game winner against Wake Forest kind of gave hope for some fans, like, okay, this kid, now I know his name. You know, he etches his name into some Syracuse uh, history with that game winner. I mean, Syracuse fans love a good game winner, John Gillen, Tyler Ennis, all those guys, you know. You always remember those kinds of names. So Gadine gone, Jalen Carey also gone, you know, uh, and Robert Braswell too. All those guys just up and leaving, it's, it's kind of crazy. Well, actually, Braswell was reported to leave, but he's actually staying. Instead, Howard Washington, the other backcourt guy, um, has left. So that means that Syracuse loses Carey, Washington, and Goodine. They still have Braswell on the roster, but he was rumored to leave. He did talk to the Athletic and said, well, I am going to stay here at Syracuse. And like you said, that Bryson Goodine loss is probably the biggest because he was a four-star recruit. He was the guy, he was one of your top recruits along with Jalen Carey. And now two of your top recruits in the past couple seasons are gone. So now let's look, let's, we, we've talked about that enough. Let's talk about who could be filling these gaps and who could really help the Syracuse team. And when I think about it, they didn't get Patrick Tape and they also didn't get Seth Towns. So that means that their, their main transfer targets are not coming to Syracuse. So you now have to think outside of the box 
And let's start with the guards. There are a couple names out there. We'll start with Khalif Battle, the younger brother of Tyus Battle. What do you see out of him that could maybe add to this Syracuse roster? I mean, he's another athletic kid, just like his brother. He's a kid, you know, he can add some athleticism to this team and really good play in the backcourt. He's got good defense and he can drive as well. So when you, you've got a kid like that, I mean, he's it's just anybody you can put in that backcourt who has any kind of talent that could help out this squad. Other guys I'm looking at that could fill those spots are inside the ACC or transferring away. You've got Landers Nolly the second coming out of Virginia Tech. He averaged five and, 15 and a half points and six rebounds for Virginia yeah. Tech. He was incredible in just his first season. So why not take a stab at him? Or you look towards one of your biggest ACC foes in Duke, and Alex O'Connell's transferring. He's a great sharpshooter, yep. killed Syracuse in that game, that huge game that broke the attendance record where Zion came but didn't play. Why not look at him? I mean, these are both really, really good guys. You've seen them play just in your own conference. There's no reason not to look their way, you know? Completely agree. I think that Syracuse should look, but being realistic, I don't think Syracuse has the draw, you can say, to try That's to right. get those guys. Because when you look at it, if they can't recruit guys out of high school, why does someone that has been in college after a year or two want to come to Syracuse when they really have no type of hope um, and no type of plan for the future right now? It kind of seems like the Syracuse program is starting to fall apart, maybe, uh, you could say. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they should look at those big names. Now, do those big names come to Syracuse? That's a different story. Yeah, I mean – those aren't guys you're most likely going to get, but they're still undecided. Why not take a stab at them kind of thing? Right, right. Well, now when I look at guys that fill that Syracuse wants to fill the backcourt, you have to think about three different things. Who can play immediately? Because this isn't a, oh, let's get a transfer for the next couple of years. Because for the next couple of years, you have Joe Girard, uh, Kadari Richmond is coming in and can help you out there. So that's not really your worry. Your worry is next season because other than Buddy Bayheim and Joe Girard, you don't have anybody. So that's the first criteria. The second criteria I think about is someone who's experienced because you have a lot of youth on this roster. And if you can add someone that has some experience, that could help you out. The third thing is who can play a backup role to Joe Girard? Because at least in my opinion, I don't want someone starting ahead of him that would stifle his growth but I also want someone that can play significant minutes. So when I look around the transfer portal, and he's a big name, um, but I think if Syracuse can put in a good word and try to get to him early, he could have some type of interest coming here, is, is Bryce Aiken. He's a, guard tran- uh, a graduate transfer, rather. So that means that he is eligible to play immediately this upcoming season. He came from Harvard where he was – just a lights-out shooter, scored over 14 points per game every single season when he was there. And most recently, he had 17 points per game in his senior season, only played seven games due to injury. But his junior season, when he had a full year with him, 22 points per game, great three-point shooter. He's the type of guy that could have an immediate impact on this roster. Yeah, like you mentioned, Jaron, Joe Girard's going to have a, a huge load to bear for this upcoming season as you lose so many guys. The ball's going to be in his hands a lot. He's going to be playing almost every single minute of the game. But if you get a, if you do end up getting a guy like Bryce Aiken, he could kind of fill the role 
that Howard Washington is leaving behind, you know, coming at the end of the game when you need somebody who can trust on the court, a kind of a veteran kind of player that Jim Beheim can look to and say, okay, I trust this guy with the game on the line to get the job done, maybe not be a superstar or, or take anything over the top, but I can, I know he'll get back on defense he'll play solid defense and he can pass the ball on offense. And in this case, he can even shoot really well. So, I mean, Joe Girard, like you said, you don't want to stunt his growth. You want to let him play all the minutes that he possibly can, but, Playing those many minutes as a sophomore guard is going to get tiring for him. So you want a guy like Bryce Aiken, that would be a great, great uh, get for Syracuse to fill that role that Howard Washington, Bryson Gadine kind of leave behind. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the backcourt. Obviously, there's some other names out there. Sam Sessoms is a guy that I like out of Binghamton. He's a small market guy, but he could be a good option for the future. But let's let's leave the backcourt alone. Um, now let's look at some forwards because you lose Elijah Hughes, who declared for the NBA draft, and we'll talk about him upcoming on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Um, but the thing is, let's talk about some forwards that could replace Hughes because when you think about it, your forward situation is probably Quincy Garrier starting at the three, Marek Dolajai at the four, and you don't really want Garrier at the three because he's not really a wing guy. He's not really a ball handler, and he doesn't really add anything to a team that Jim Beheim likes to run and gun and shoot a lot of threes, um, and Garrier just doesn't really fit that mix. And then your back, uh, your, your bench rather, is Robert Braswell and Woody Newton, and we don't really know what either of those players can really do because one's a freshman and one hasn't played significant minutes. So the name that I look at, and I'll let you toss a couple names in the ring as well, is Jarius Hamilton from Boston College. Uh, He would stay in the ACC. He averaged just under 10 points per game a season ago. Um, He's not an Elijah Hughes-type talent, but he's someone that could fill the role. Um, It is worth noting that he would have to sit out a year, however. Here's what I'm curious about when we come to the forward position. So you've got Robert Brad, who's coming back after saying, hey, I'm going to transfer. He said, you know what, never mind, I'm going to come back. So here's what I'm curious about. Is Jim Beheim going to look at that situation and be like, wow, we almost lost this kid who's got a ton of talent? Because I do believe that Robert Braswell has a ton of talent. Are we going to see Robert Braswell receive the same little amount of minutes? Or in his third season at Syracuse, are we going to finally see the guy get something on the court? I mean, this season, we saw him here and there. You know, you, you see him at the end of a game, you know, uh, if you're blowing somebody out or if it's just not very close. Are we going to see this guy get minutes in a significant game? I mean, he sat out for two years now. You've got to be getting frustrated. We've seen that he did, and a couple other guys, they're up and left. He didn't. He came back. Does Jim Beheim reward him by giving him a couple of minutes. I mean, yeah, you would love to get another transfer because you lose so many guys and you've got to get some reliable players on the bench. But let's look at Bob Braswell and say, okay, can this kid play? Can we put him on the court? Hey, I mean, you make a good, you make a good point. You don't know how he's going to shake out. You don't know how he, if he's even going to be happy to be still in Syracuse. Obviously, him deciding to stay in the 315 tells you something, but you really don't know. Um, so if you want to learn more, you want to read more about the possible uh, transfers that could be coming to Syracuse or Syracuse should be looking for in the transfer market, go out to orangefizz.net, a new article out there called Transfer Syracuse Isn't Recruiting But Should. We're going to take a quick break here on Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. After the break, we'll talk about Elijah Hughes and his draft stock. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio. 
Welcome back to Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260 and welcome to a great Saturday morning. We're here every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10. We took a little break, but we're back working from home. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. I'm in Massachusetts. Matt, you are in Connecticut. And let's talk about a guy that is leaving the state of New York. Elijah Hughes is declaring for the NBA draft. He made the decision earlier this week. And now let's let's really just think about how he fits into the NBA, what kind of NBA prospect he is. Let's even let's make a little mock draft and think where could Elijah Hughes go in the upcoming 2020 NBA draft. So let's first start with that first question. What kind of prospect is he? If you are a NBA scout and you're looking at Elijah Hughes, what impresses you? What doesn't impress you? What kind of makes you think, hmm, he could be a great fit for this team or he's not really a great fit for this team? I'll let you just take the floor. My thing about Elijah Hughes, he, he's a great scorer. We all know that. The guy knows how to get a bucket anytime down the floor, whether it's driving, whether he's going to take a shot post up. He knows how he's going to get the ball into the basket, and that's his main strength. We all know that. But here's the thing I got about him. He's a little undersized for his position. He sits at 6'6", which, you know, isn't bad. But if you're going to play small forward in the NBA, I think you got to be a little bit bigger than that. I mean, I think he's sized for the shooting guard position, but he plays too much like a small forward. I don't think that means he doesn't have a shot in the NBA, but I do think that it's going to hurt him. What doesn't hurt him is his ability to score. I mean, the, the guy near 30 points for Syracuse all season – he was incredible. I mean, he put up a 33-point performance against Georgia Tech, and we saw that he can basically do anything he wants when he gets really hot. So, I mean, I think he's a really, really great player, but I don't know if he's going to be transfer that all that well to the NBA. So here's my thing. I think that he has this specific talent that the NBA needs right now. I completely agree with you that he might be a little undersized, but I disagree with you that he doesn't really fit the NBA prototype. Because when you think about how the NBA is trending right now, it's a shooting, a three-point shooting league, um, you could say. And that's what Elijah Hughes is. I mean, he's a three-point shooter. He's knocked down from deep, but he also has that added layer of, of, yeah, if you're not gonna if you're gonna over respect me as a three point shooter, I can also put the the ball on the floor and get around you. So, I think that he could fit pretty well on an NBA roster. I think he kind of gives me vibes of maybe what um, highest battle is doing right now, where he was a fringe NBA pick, didn't get drafted, uh, but then bounce around G League, kind of the last man on the bench in the NBA. Um, Something like that where he doesn't get too much prominence, but he could still be in the league and still maybe have a game here or there where he sees real NBA minutes. And, I mean, at his height, I kind of see, like, at the the full potential of his play in the NBA, I could see him like a 3 and D guy, like a Tyson Ross or a Corey Brewer. Any guy you can trust with three uh, with a three point shot, you know he can score and maybe add some defense on the other end, but not much more than that. You know I don't think he's going to ever start in the NBA, nor do I think that um, he'll he'll ever get the opportunity to do so. But I mean I think that he really could be at you know at his height uh, contributing to a team just with three and D kind of play. Yeah, I mean I I agree I agree I think I don't think that he's going to be any superstar. Um, 
I don't think that he'll be a sixth man off the bench. I think he could be maybe an eighth or ninth man, if depending on the team that he goes to, obviously. If he's going to a real contender, he's going to be lower down on the bench. But I think if he goes to one of the teams that are maybe in a rebuild right now or need some help just on the bench to fill out their roster, he could he could theoretically in the NBA right now, I think if he bulks up a little bit more and shows teams, maybe has a great pro day, um, has a good if he gets the the invite to the NBA combine uh, has a good combine. I think he could surprise a couple teams and get drafted um, in the second round, and that kind of leads me to the, to my next point. I know you have some strong feelings about this, and I know we'll also touch on this a little later in Fizz feedback. But give me your opinion on where he fits in this year's NBA draft. Well, like you just said, it, it all kind of, in my opinion, hinges on whether or not he gets that invite to the Combine. Tyus Battle did not get the invite to the com- invite to the Combine last year, but he put together a stellar season uh, in his final season in collegiate athletics. O'Shea Brissett does get the invite to the Combine, and when he went through that Combine, there was all this buzz about how his stock was rising, stock was rising. We might see him get drafted in the second round, but no, neither of these guys get drafted, and they both get uh, signed uh, after the fact. I think O'Shea first got signed by the Clippers and Tyus by the Timberwolves. Uh, So, you know, I don't know if Elijah Hughes is going to get drafted. I think it does. I think a combine invite would heavily, heavily help him, uh, especially if he performs well there, just so he can show off what he can, what what he can do even more. Um, But I don't think he's going to get drafted. I mean, he put together a stellar season, yes, but I think there's stuff that he – he lacks that a lot of other players don't. And, you know, there's always these guys that you've never heard of get drafted in, in the late rounds over guys like Elijah Hughes who play really well in the ACC. Well, let me tell you, NBA draft.net might disagree with you or actually does disagree with you. I don't know um, if you want to have some beef with them or anything. They have Elijah Hughes. Uh, they have Elijah Hughes coming in at pick number 31, the first pick of the second round, and he they say that he's going to Dallas. Um, that's their projected pick. When you flip over to ESPN, he is, let's see, number 57, I want to say. Yeah, number 57 on the big board, um, which means that if they were to go straight down the big board of ESPN, he would be the uh, fourth to last pick in the NBA draft which still means that he's drafted, but it means that he's a very low pick. Now, my thing is, here, I actually have a question for you. Who do you think is a better player, Elijah Hughes or Jordan Wara of Louisville? Uh, I mean, it's a really, really tough question because you kind of immediately lean towards saying Jordan Wara just because – there's been a lot of hype around him, especially early in the season. A lot of guys were saying he's the best player in college basketball this year. And then he had a couple of games where he really wasn't all that good, putting up like two points, zero points, eight points. If you're the best player on the team, you just can't do that. And Elijah Hughes never did that. He always showed out. He always played well in every game you needed him to. He came and played. So, I mean, I think you got to give that to Elijah Hughes just because he proved that he could always come out and get you a bucket whenever you needed it, and he was always going to bring his A game to every single game that you play. All right, so I completely agree, 100% agree. ESPN has Jordan Wara as their 39th on their big board. So if you do the math, let's see, what is that, 18 uh, spots ahead of Elijah Hughes? 
I think that is, I mean, that's just classic Elijah this year where he's just been undergraded um, and really just thrown down any type of pole where he should be at the top, uh, but he's just been continued to be snubbed. I think that he's better than Jordan War. Um, I think that Jordan War is a better NBA prospect, so I am not mad that War is above Elijah Hughes in the big board, but I think that they should at least be a little closer. Um, I think Hughes does get drafted. I think it's in the later rounds, probably in the mid-40s to uh, mid-50s, somewhere in that range. I think he does get drafted. I think he sits on the end of a bench, uh, might be a two-way player where he spends some time in the G League, some time in the NBA. But that's just my opinion. I think he's a great uh, NBA prospect. And, and you know, here's the other thing: is you could end up, he could end up with a team with a situation like the Warriors had this season, where they get hit by a bunch of injuries early in the season, and they just need guys to start. I mean, for the Warriors this season, you've seen three, uh, at least three rookies start. You saw Jordan Poole. You've seen Kai Bowman. And Eric Pascal. So, I mean, I don't see why Elijah Hughes should be excluded from the likes of those names coming right out of college. I could totally see if he were drafted or if he was in the draft class of last year and was on that team, he could get a start. So it all kind of depends on the team he goes to. He could get minutes. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Maybe, like you said, he's a two-way player, goes down, works in the G League and comes up. You never really know. All right, well, time will tell. Obviously, Syracuse losing a big part of their offense and defense, their entire team, with Elijah Hughes declaring for the NBA draft earlier this week. Matt and I are going to take a little time out here on Orange Fizz Radio. We'll be right back after a short break. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We have an outlook on what the Syracuse basketball team looks like next season after maybe not getting any transfers. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. All right, back here on Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us from 9 to 10 a.m. We're here every single Saturday morning. This week, it is Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. And Matt, we've talked about the transfer portal. We've talked about Elijah Hughes declaring for the NBA draft. Now let's take a look at what the heck this Syracuse roster looks like if they don't have any transfer portal hopes and they're also losing Elijah Hughes. So I'm going to give a quick rundown for all of our listeners on what this rotation could really look like. So you have Joe Girard at the point guard, Buddy Bayheim starting at the shooting guard, Quincy Garrier probably at the three, Marek Dolajai at the four, and then Brahma Sidibe, your starting center. On the bench for guards, you have Kadari Richmond, and that's it. Uh, for forwards, you have Woody Newton and Robert Braswell, and that's it. And then your center situation, Jesse Edwards and John Bolijak, um, is also th- those two are also on the bench. So you don't have much bench help. When you look at it, you have one, two, three, four, five guys on the bench that could play and actually give you significant minutes. Now we're talking about people that would actually play scholarship type players. Um, And other than the starting five, you have five on the bench. It's not much when you think about it. An injury can knock you down to nine, a couple injuries, and you're looking at a seven-man rotation with seven guys that probably might not actually usually play if you had a full bench 
what does this Syracuse team really look like if they can't strike gold or just really pick up anybody in the transfer market? It doesn't look good, Jaron. It really, really <laughs> doesn't look good. I mean, coming into this past season, I said, all right, this team's probably going to win around 17 games. And that's exactly what we saw. Coming into this one, when, I don't I don't know, I guess Marek Dolezal is your buddy Beheim's your best player? We'll pick one? I, I mean, this looks horrible. Like, horrible. <laughs> I don't know if this team's going to win 10 games. Like, this is bad. You're, you're, I mean, for the past two seasons, Syracuse has gotten their butt kicked in whatever tournament they decide to play down in New York. That's probably going to happen again this next season, and then you're going to lose some of your non-conference games just because there's not much talent on this roster, and then the conference is not going to go very well at all. So – if you don't get any transfers here and you just don't add any kind of big talent, I don't know who you're looking at as Jim Beheim and saying, okay, this is our primary scorer. Because looking back in the time I've been on the earth, there has always been one guy who's the Syracuse University primary scorer for the basketball team. I mean, like, you can go back and pick a guy. It was Tyus Battle before him. You had Ben and Jay and Richardson, Andrew White, John Gillen, like – Fab Mello, CJ Fair, like Trevor Cooney, any of those guys, you can't point at one of the guys on this team and say, that's the guy. This, this just looks really, really bad. And all I'm saying is the list of coaches that have had half their team transfer and are still in a job is not very long. So I don't know what's going through Jim Beheim's head right now and how he's going to try and save this season but he's going to need a miracle and I don't know where he's going to pull it from. This is, this is not looking good for the orange. Yeah. I mean, I want to go back to the fact that you said there is usually a guy on this Syracuse roster that can be the main scoring threat. And when you look at it for next year, it's, it's buddy Bayheim. Like uh, you would have to assume that it's buddy Bayheim. but do you really have that much confidence in our, no, I don't have any confidence. Exactly. Like, as a Syracuse fan, I'm not happy that Buddy Beheim is the guy, is the the go-to scoring threat. Yes, he showed a lot of flashes this past season, and he could even take another step forward in the offseason and be an even better player. Yeah, but he's year. also shown me an incredible amount of poor shot selection. His entire yeah. offense is terrible shot selection. Same thing with Gerard. The, the, what you've seen from these two guys all season long is – if Elijah can't find a shot, give me the ball. I'll take a shot four feet behind the, the three-point line. Like It goes in like 20% of the time, but who cares? Without Elijah Hughes or another scorer on this team, they're doomed. Like, I don't – they're doomed. It's like they're not going to win 10 games. They don't have anybody to score the basketball. Unless <laughs> Barama Sidibe turns into Hakeem Olajuwon, I don't see this going very far. Wow. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's let's be honest there. Mark Dolajai, I mean, let's look at him. He could be uh he's he's going to be a consistent player and he always has been. He's, he's going to give you a gr- he's going to be a great defensive uh guy out there where he grabs a lot of rebounds for you. He does the hustle plays. He does the things that does, that don't show up in the stat sheet. He's a good rebounder, a good block, a shot blocker, a good guy to get his hands in the passing lanes. But then on the offensive side, he's really spotty. And just like Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim are, they're going to give you more consistent shooting than Marek Dolezal. But 
there have been multiple games that Gerard and Beheim are shut out where they score zero points, two points, four points, five points, where they score very minimal points. And if that happens, there's not someone else that can step up. Like if Buddy Beheim has a bad game, all you have, like your entire, like that game is riding on Joe Gerard's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing. But that's not see, something you that Braswell you like to see. come in then. Who knows? I mean, and the other thing that you got to think about that is reflecting upon this past season is foul trouble is not going to stop with this team. But no. it's just going to be so much worse now because these young kids, now the team is on their shoulders and they're already fouling out without that being the case. <laughs> I don't see – like I this doesn't – this is bad. Like this is really bad. I just I – I don't know. What is this going to look like? I'm. This is not the first time in years I'm not excited to watch the first Syracuse basketball season game of the season. This is going to be Matt, bad, man. Matt, Matt, let's 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 break this down. So there have been multiple times this past season where Quincy Garrier, Marek Dolajai, and Barama Sidibe all get in foul. Well, Barama almost fouls out every game. So yeah, exactly. So let's just let's just play this out. So all three of those guys, you're starting three. You're starting. Three, four, and five all foul out. Three of your five starters are out of the gate. That means that you probably put maybe Woody Newton in. You don't know how he's going to be. I think uh, you maybe see Braswell you go... at the three there. Okay, so you put That's Braswell in at the three. Then who's your four? Then John Bolajak. You better get ready, buddy. You're coming in. Is Bolajak like... able to play the four, though? He's a, I don't he's know if very... he's able, but you, what you have to understand is he has to. Like There is no other option. I don't know if he's ready, but he's or, got to do it. Okay, so when you think about Syracuse and you think about the 2-3 zone specifically, you need athletic guys on the wings. So you don't want to put Bully Jack, uh, who even what knows if we're pronouncing there? that correctly. So I think you go two threes. So you go Woody Newton on one side, and you put Robert Braswell on the other, and then you have your choice of either Bully Jack or Edwards in the middle. Okay, so that's my hypothetical situation and it's not great. I'll give it to you. It's not great, but that's what's going to happen when, you, like you talked about, if there's foul trouble on this team, that's what Syracuse is going to have to resort to. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like I, I guess that's better than having two bumbling big men downstairs. But or I, I or you can go a, a short lineup and you go. Gerard, uh, Kadari, Richmond, and Buddy Beheim, and you shift Beheim down to the wing, or maybe even put uh, Richmond at the wing. I sure. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> any way you put it, it doesn't look good. Like, none of it looks good. No. Well, I mean, it's it's <laughs> the season next year is going to be a testament, and I think this might be the straw that broke the camel's back for Jim Beheim. He has this job as long as he wants to. Syracuse is never going to tell Jim Beheim that he, that he has to leave. But I mean, you, you can't look at next season and have a positive outlook. And with that Beheim with his old grouchy ways is going to be tested mentally and physically. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to get through this season and continue to want to coach. Who I mean, who knows? That could be an aggressive prediction, but I just I don't see any type of hope for this team in the upcoming season. I got a couple things. 
One, this is going to be a maker. This is going to be a make or break season for Jim Behar. One, it could be like, oh, like he, if they have a good year and they get up to around 20 wins, this could be a season where you go, oh, he is one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history and he's still showing in this old age. Like, this is incredible. Like or, 17 wins will cement that. If they can get oh, to yeah, 17 or 18 total. wins, that's that's great. Okay. Um, but if that doesn't happen, and I don't think it will, um, you're going to be like, okay, timer, come on, buddy. Like, buddy, when you graduating? Like, okay, boomer. <laughs> like, come on, man. Uh, yeah. But the other thing is I'm pretty excited to see some press conferences out of him. I think he's going to be just done with it all. You might get a Roy Williams moment from this past season out of Jim next year where he's just like, the team sucks. They're bad. I have bad yeah. players on my roster. I don't know what want you to tell you. Like, they're bad. I mean, we, we know that Bayheim has had some great quotes in the past. And make sure any of our listeners head out to orangefizz.net in the coming days. We're going to be putting out a poll as part of our top five series of the best top five Jim Bayheim quotes from the past Syracuse basketball season but that's where we will leave that conversation after this break we will get to your fizz feedback and look at the polls on twitter make sure you don't go anywhere you're listening to the orange fizz radio on the score 1260 all right wrapping up here on the orange fizz radio on the score 1260 on saturday morning thank you guys so much for tuning in, Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte, working remotely in both Massachusetts and Connecticut. And now, Matt, it is time for our favorite part of Orange Fizz Radio, Fizz Feedback. So we put out a couple polls on Twitter, um, and let's just look at the results. So the first poll is how many transfers, and that's been a topic of conversation on this Fizz Radio, uh, how many transfers will Syracuse get this upcoming or this this season? Um, I gave the options of zero, one, two, or three or more. And right now, zero and one are kind of kind of battling for the top spot, but zero is in first place with 47%. Yeah. I mean, if I had to answer this question, I'm saying they got to get one. Like, yeah. you just have to get somebody just to show that you're still trying. And, you know, we're still making 100% effort towards the season. If you don't get anybody, you might as well can it now. Uh, yeah. That team we just talked about a couple minutes ago is, is not going to get the job done. So you at least got to get one guy, add to that depth, be able to rely on him, and then just get somebody else, new blood in this program. Completely agree. All right, let's move on to the next Fizz feedback. Where will Elijah Hughes get drafted? I know that you said he's not going to get drafted. I said around that 45 to 55 mark. I gave a couple options on this Fizz feedback poll. Uh, 1 to 25, picks 25 to 45, picks 45 to 60, or he goes undrafted. Right now, picks 25 to 45, that middle of the pack range at the end of the first round and the beginning of the second round is where the most votes are going. Um, 45% of the votes are there. And we always like to shout out our commentators, um, so Michael Antonio, I would like to say that correctly. He says if he stays one more year, he could be a lottery pick. I don't think that he's a lottery pick. I think he could improve his draft stock, but I don't think it would go up that much higher. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't think if he stayed uh, another year, would do anything for him. I mean, he played yeah. 
this this past season he played as well as I think he possibly could have played. I think staying another year would just risk an injury and and just maybe just risk worse play. I think this is the time for Elijah Hughes to go, and I think everybody in the Syracuse fan base knew that he was going to up and leave. I don't think another year would have done anything for him. Yeah. All right, last Fizz feedback, and just a reminder, these are the results when we are recording this on Thursday night. Um, Our last Fizz feedback is who is the most impactful player or who will be the most impactful player um, for Syracuse next season, and you can define impactful however you want. The options were Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard, Marek Dolajai, or someone else, and we wanted you to comment below. Right now, it's it's honestly a surprise to me. Joe Girard is leading as of Thursday night with 44% of the vote. Obviously, that could change. These polls are going to be up for the next day, um, but 44% for Joe Girard. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at that as well. I mean, down in the comment session, you see Austin Richardson said, buddy, because he has to be the guy. I kind of agree with that. I mean, if if Buddy isn't playing up to uh, like top top potential, this team isn't doing anything. I, I I agree with with Austin. Buddy has to be the guy for this team. He's the oldest, or Burek's the oldest, but he's the oldest scorer on this team. When you put him up to, next to Joe Girard, he's got to be the the go to guy for this team. Just like I talked about before, uh, uh, go to scorers in Syracuse history. Right. He's up next. He's got to be the kid to be doing it. Yeah. All right, so Austin Richardson says, Buddy, Michael Antonio says, you could definitely see flashes of monstrosity in Marek this season, so expect more of that. So he's leaning towards Dolajai. Uh, Brian Zare also commented, he said, Barama. He said, if he steps up as even a slightly above average center, it changes the game. If Buddy and Joe shoot and distribute and Marek does Marek things, should be a solid all-around not to mention Quincy, but Barama is key for real success. That right being there. said, it will probably be Buddy and Marek show next season with Joe in a solid supporting role. So he kind of qualified his take right there. He wanted Scared to say Barama. He got it by yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> so he said Barama at, at the start, but now is going back on it and saying Buddy and, Mar- and Marek. That's where I think it's going to be between Dolajai and Beheim. I think Buddy... Like you said, he has to be the guy. I think he will be. Also, Steve Gigieri, let's say, uh, he says, you do not Quincy yet. I'm not sure what that means. Maybe he's voting for Quincy, but who knows? And then Mitch Mitchell um, also says Jesse Edwards. So that's another surprise. I don't think he's going to see minutes. And if he does, it might be eight minutes a game. On average, I, I don't really know what your opinions are for that. I mean, uh, Jesse, I, I don't know what we're going to see out of him. The, the whole big man situation's a little weird. Maybe you see Bayheim roll out Jesse instead of Burama next season. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it all depends what happens in training camp. If we, if we as a fan base decide, you know, okay, Burama's done, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think Barama could be a guy that steps up. I don't think he's going to be the most impactful. Uh, Maybe they get a transfer that could be the most impactful. Who knows? That would have to be a grad transfer or someone that's eligible immediately. And then, hey, maybe even the freshmen step up. Maybe Kadari Richmond is some crazy talent that we are underrating right now, and we have no idea. But that's going to do it for us here on Orange Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you tune in every single Saturday morning and check us out 
on the web at orangefizz.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Jaron May for Matt Bonaparte. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you again next week on the Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.